0: Bluff. Welcome to the Richer Geek Podcast. We're here helping people find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. I'm Mike Stoller and in this podcast you'll hear from others who are already doing these things and learn how you can too. Welcome back to the Richer Geek Podcast. We are continuing our series on diversifying your portfolio through passive investing. In today's episode, we're going to talk about a win-win investing. Martin Sands of co-founded Bequest Funds with the dual purpose of helping investors grow their wealth and helping mortgage borrowers stay in their homes through mortgage note investing. Who wouldn't like to make passive income while helping people stay in their own homes? Welcome back to the Richer Geek podcast. I'm pleased to have Martin Signs with me. How you doing, Martin? Good, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. It's very fascinating. We have not had any note investor on, so it's a lot of people kind of know about it. You know, they've heard about it. They're they're not sure what it exactly means, you know, they're thinking, you know, what do you do? You just go to the courthouse and get a note, you know, so tell me a little bit, what is note investing?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting how you describe it because actually we term it a shadow industry. So we're we intentionally are kind of in the dark with what we do. It's it's kind of an obscure um asset class to invest in. So uh, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. But in terms of the auction, we're actually the ones that create the opportunity at the auction. So so what it is is um what our play is to become the bank. So what what that means is that we look to buy distressed mortgage note debt across the country. So these, this, these are mortgages that were originated at financial institutions, such as Wells Fargo and Citibank and PNC. And at some point, the borrower went into default and the, those those notes were bundled up into tranches and sold off into the secondary mortgage market. And players like myself, who have hedge funds that are operating in the secondary space, we we buy those um, we buy those mortgages in large
0: pools. I see. So it's you're you're working. You're not working with the owner of the house. You're you're waiting until. Because I know some investors out there, they try to. As soon as a house goes into foreclosure, then they try to talk to the person about taking over the note, taking over the mortgage, you know, but it's not quite like that. You're buying them in tranches working with the institutions
1: so so we actually are the mission of our company is to help homeowners stay in their homes with payments they can afford while making a profit for ourselves so um our mission very much is working with the homeowners so we'll take those mortgages that are in default and we'll we'll make reach uh we'll we'll make outreach to the borrowers and work with payment plans uh, considering that we purchase those mortgages at discounts, we're able to extend some of those discounts over to the borrower in the form of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So we're, you know, we, we figure out what the borrowers can afford, and we create loan modifications and other creative solutions so that we can prevent foreclosure from happening.
0: Okay, so it uh, to me, keeping... Is there a risk involved with, you know, here's someone that could not afford their house and you're keeping them in. How do you, you know, I'm, I'm sure that you have um, the house as, as collateral, but how how risky is this note investing in what you're doing as far as keeping the person in there and not going ahead and, and selling the asset?
1: Sure. Sure. So so like like anything else, right? There's always a risk with every asset class if you don't know what you're doing. So um you know, the more that you're sophisticated and and you have systems in place by which to vet these loans before purchasing, the better off you're going to be. So what what we do is for our you know as a company is we actually put heavy emphasis not only on vetting the property, which is the collateral. Mm-hmm. We also put a lot of emphasis on vetting the borrower and their ability to pay, prior to purchasing that asset. So, you know, that's the time to do it is, uh, you know, the money's made before the purchase, as they say. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the practice that we have in place. Now, with that said, there's always a risk where you try to make uh, you know, connection with the bar, and they just don't have the money. Well, there's other other solutions. Sometimes borrowers actually sign over the house to us in the form of a deed in lieu, because yep. they recognize that they can't afford to be there. So we actually forgive their debt in exchange for them signing over the property. So it's like a clean exchange. Other times we do have to go down the legal road and we do have to force a bar's hand with foreclosure. However, that's, that's more of the exception than the norm.
0: Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, so t- you're saying er- to me earlier that you've really only done this note stuff. I mean, how did you get started with this? You know, it's kind of uh, you know, most people will say, Hey, I started with a couple rental properties. I did this and then got into notes. Um, How did you get involved in this note investing?
1: Sure. Sure. So in 2004, I was, I was blessed by the good Lord to get fired from my corporate job. (laughs) So I, I realized that at an early age, that, uh, you know, corporate America was not, not for me. So my wife and I decided we needed to be self-employed for better, for better or worse. So we started a a government contracting company and we, we worked at that company and built it up over a seven year time period. And, And so what I realized with small business and with self-employment is you're really working yourself to death and, and um, you know, you're, you're, you know, everyone else seems to be getting paid, but you, however, we, we managed to do well with it and we bought a number of, various real estate properties as a buy and hold and we became landlords over the years picking up commercial properties as well as residential properties but what what we learned through buy and hold real estate is that it didn't it didn't provide the the amount of cash flow that was to meet our aspirations that we had in life you know what we were looking to to get back in terms of um you know in terms of uh, freedom of time and 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 uh financial freedom and so forth so we sold the company in 2013 and i really set off in a mission to look for an asset class that i could control the process control i.e the outcome as well as have it be an Cash flowing asset, so that's when uh, I, I, I stumbled upon note investing as a you know as a, as just what I would do for uh, you know what I've been doing for the past seven years. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that, that's fascinating. So, um, take me through the process a little bit of you know, so that our listeners can understand um, once an institution says this person is in foreclosure and you're buying the note. Is there any ramifications that you've put this money out and then the buyer can actually get the house back?
1: Well, well the buyer owns the house. You're not taking over a uh, title slash deed of the property when you buy the note. So what you're buying is the promissory note which the bar, when they, when they took out money, you know, they, they, they made the promise through the note given a certain set of terms and the promissory note is tied to the property in the form of a deed of trust or mortgage. So, so really that's kind of what you're purchasing with, with investing in, in, so, so really, the borrower owns the property at every point of the process, unless you take it through foreclosure and take it back through auction or or deed in lieu of some kind.
0: Okay, yeah, that's uh, that's where I was curious about because you always hear people that probably don't know that much about notes to say, "Oh, you know, you're putting all this money, you're buying these notes, and then the person can." Uh, somehow magically come across some money and pay it off, you know, the, the, yeah. all the funds that were behind, and then you're out the money.
1: Well, that's that's the beautiful part of our industry. It actually works the opposite. Ah. So when, if a borrower hasn't made a payment in, in let's say, five years, then there's going to be a past due interest arrears amount, plus late fees, as well as the unpaid principal balance. So um, if they go and refinance the property, if they go and sell the property, then you're going to get paid in full. And actually the past few years, we've seen a massive uptick in payoffs within our industry, given the equity spikes across the country.
0: Wow. Okay. That's that's fascinating because, yeah, I did not know about that. Um. Yeah,
1: so so you'll go and buy the mortgage. So let's say that that someone owes um, you know thirty thousand dollars plus ten thousand dollars on the back end in terms of interest arrears. Mm-hmm. So they owe forty thousand dollars all in, and and I'll just kind of throw out an arbitrary number. Let's say you buy that that opportunity that that note for fifteen thousand dollars. Well. Then, then you know it, it may be at like a 7% interest rate because that was what the interest rate was at the time of origination. But that same borrower has had an equity spike in their home and they can go now and refinance both, both the first and second and get within the threes. And so they'll go and do that and then you'll get a request for full payoff and then you'll get paid accordingly.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and it sounds like it's a lot less work going through you instead of like getting a list of all these homes in a city and what areas, what neighborhoods, it seems like you've already got all that taken care of. And then you have to try to figure out when the court date. And there seems like a lot of steps that takes it from getting a list, you know, to actually buying the note for an individual. And it seems like you kind of take all of that, work away from it and uh they can just invest with you
1: well you know yeah and that's and that's really where where we're at as a company we have uh in the past 12 months, um, you know, our company has purchased $23 million of mortgage debt across the country. So we're a pretty active player. And right now how we have things set up is we have an income fund called Bequest Funds, mm-hmm. whereby investors can invest passively into the income fund and receive monthly payments as a result. Because again, you know, the whole the whole idea, the whole premise behind our operation is to provide cash flow. But not just cash flow for ourselves as business owners, but, you know, cash flow for investors that come on with us.
0: And how's that fund structured as far as, you know, limited partnerships or is it just a fund where you're how, – how's that structured?
1: It's an SEC-registered 506C fund. Okay. So it's set up for accredited investors mm-hmm. with a minimum buy-in of 25 k so, we have investors that you know they'll put in say a hundred thousand and they'll receive monthly payments for six hundred and sixty seven dollars you know for for as long as they want their money in the in the fund it's an, It's set up as an evergreen fund, so there's no expiration to it.
0: Perfect, And give me an example past performance, uh, let's say I give you a uh, hundred thousand dollars. You take care of it. It's completely passive income. I qualify as an accredited investor. Um, what am I looking at? What kind of returns? And you said it can go on in forever.
1: Yes. So it's an eight percent return. It's mm-hmm. an eight percent pref return. And and um, if you leave it in, if you leave all the money in and you know forego the monthly distribution, then it, it'll be set. To compound at an eight point two nine nine percent interest rate.
0: Yeah. Okay. Very nice. So tell the uh, in in our um, listeners what it means to be have a preferred return.
1: Sure. So essentially, what that means is um, with this fund, there's no leverage. So in other words, we don't have any. Um, uh, bank loans out against any of our portfolio. We own it outright. It's an equity fund where you come in as an equity investor into our fund, and you are you are um, first in line to receive payment. And what that compensation is is, it, is a is an eight percent interest rate paid on the money you place into the fund, and you receive monthly distributions that pay out pay out that um preferred rate of return Mm -hmm. so if you put in a hundred thousand dollars then it would pay eight thousand dollars and you would divide that eight thousand dollars by 12 months Mm -hmm. and that would be your monthly payment
0: and then if it was if you wanted to get out or if the fund was sold then there's uh uh you said eight eight point something on the back end or is it just kind of in So there's
1: just a straight 8% pref on it. There's no waterfall to it. So there's nothing in addition to that and there's no expiration for the fund. So there is a one year lock in period. So um, after that, then we just need a 90 day notice period to go and, and uh, replace your capital and bring a new investor in. However um, you know, anytime you want to, you know, take your capital out after the one year period you're you know everyone's free to do so we do have a best effort clause as well if um you did needed to needed to get out prior to the 12 month period we could see if we could you know work something out and and uh to make that work for you
0: yeah it's fascinating. But every
1: note in that fund is is mm-hmm. in, so just to clarify every note in that fund is a performing note so, mm-hmm. so that's not the distress side of things. Uh, that's, that's a whole separate operation. Converting a note from a distress slash defaulted state into a profitable one, mm-hmm. whereby it's paying as a 30-year loan modification, that's a different um, side of the business. The income fund only houses performing notes.
0: Gotcha. And, you know, that's, you know, with with the instability of the stock market, and uh, I mean, my gosh, you know, another country sneezes, and boom, there goes you know the stock market, and your IRA, the four hundred one k, and you know, it seems like this is uh, just a really nice way to get that passive income to diversify your portfolio. Everyone, you know, I always say that you, you should have at least not not at but at least six different branches of diversified income streams and especially in passive and it looks like the note beautiful yeah what's you can't just rely on your corporations 401k and your IRA and then the stock market you know you can't you definitely can't rely on your Social Security and and things like that so it's it's really really uh, cool that uh, we're being introduced to another type of diversified income stream. Uh, now, yes. the individual homes. Uh, do you have a property management side of your business?
1: So, so the the beauty of it is that um, we have an asset management team. So I have a whole staff on payroll that does all the all the bar Um, outreach and the bar workouts. And we use a licensed servicer to service our our notes. So that's almost um, equivalent to a property manager on the real estate side. But you don't really need a property manager because we're not, we don't own the property. So we're not managing the property. Mm -hmm. We're really managing bars.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and just making sure that because they own the house, you're not fixing anything. You're not You know, it's uh, the great part about not—you you you, you don't talk to your bank about your water here going out, right?
1: Yes. Exactly. (laughs) What's interesting is um when I when my wife and I started business in 2005 we had just purchased a home right before the um right before the market crash and started our small business to boot mm-hmm. and um you know I fell behind on my mortgage for you know 6 7 months And I just remembered, um, you know, it was a big bank. I just remembered, you know, trying to call them, trying to, trying to work out a payment plan. I tried to send them, um, a, you know, some monthly, um, you know mortgage fees, you know obligations owed, the monthly mortgage payments, and and they would send them back to me, um and they would just send demands and they'd say, well, we need twenty thousand dollars to reinstate or we're not going to do anything for you, and I and I remember kind of that that harshness, that coldness, and mm-hmm. and how the large banks operate, and um and 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 so what's interesting is now that I have a business whereby I'm able to help. People stay in their homes mm-hmm. and have it be profitable for me. Because if I'm able to go and create, if I'm able to look at someone and I'm able to say, "Hey, look, they should be paying 600 a month, but they can pay 400 a month, and I'm still going to do extremely well from a return on investment perspective," then I'm going to take the 400, and the borrower is going to be appreciative mm-hmm. and make their monthly payments because I'm I'm working within their budget then it's a win-win, and there's a real, like, human element to it, and and we find that we've built a lot of relationships with our bars, and that's really kind of, um, you know, it's really, uh, you know, it's kind of, like, heartwarming to have that, um, you know, be part of our business model, knowing, you know, what I saw as the harshness on the other side of the fence when I was just starting out.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's wonderful. There's, I think everyone can appreciate, in, in especially in today's world, where I, it, I think it's fantastic that you're helping them. You're also making money. You're doing what you love, and uh, it, it's just kind of when I've done not with the notes, but some some of the other things around that type of thing, giving people second chances in, in homes. It just warms my soul. You know, it's just kind of that. Yeah. I, I feel. Good about the whole situation, and it makes you—it's um, just kind of hard to to explain. It's just—it's just a wonderful feeling being able to give somebody a second chance.
1: Absolutely, and and we do that with hundreds of bars with with our operation, and uh, it's very rewarding. But to the point you said about six streams of income, mm-hmm. I actually just wrote uh, and published my fifth book in June called Flow dojo. And the tagline for the book is build your home on multiple streams of income. There so my know. whole book was, was a how to guide for someone to go out and be motivated and, and build a strategy around building multiple streams of income. There is, and I I'm positive you would agree with this. There is a upcoming economic crash at Mm -hmm. some point in the near future. And those that have multiple streams of income, that is those that are not solely reliant on an employer or one stream of income are going to be the ones that are going to survive. And right now building multiple streams of income for yourself is about survival. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, everybody that's listening, you know, please take that to heart. It's, it's, it's not as hard as you think uh, as far as diversifying, you know, I, I know that your 401k, your IRA, is just taken out of your paycheck, but what happens if you lose that job? What happens if we have another downfall, uh, you know, downturn, another um, crash, you have to put it into other different types of uh, investments and if you're not savvy, what you do is you have to take people like myself, like Martin, like these other people that are diversifying in these different things and let us do the work so that you have a different income stream that even if it just keeps the lights on, even if it just pays your mortgage, you know, at least you're you're staying in your own house. And I, I think it's just it's so important and you know, some of the books I've read throughout the years, it just after goes, it beats that in your head at time and time again, you have to rely and work on all these different type of income streams.
1: Um, and, and, that's and dual income is not enough, right? It used to be <laughs> right. single income. Then it went to dual and many, many people are finding out dual income is not enough.
0: No, it's not because, you know, for one thing, uh, you have dual income. Hey, now I get to spend more, you know, and and you get so many people that say, you know, wow, now I can have, uh, you know, an $80,000 car or or more. Now I can have a a nice fancy house. And, and it's, people are not saving and people are, people are just thinking, well, I'm always going to have a job. Uh, And and speaking about, you know, the, the 2007, 2008, and then this last, you know with with covid how are you seeing uh, are, are you seeing an uptick in business you know with with this pandemic and how does it compare um to 2008 2009 2012 or so
1: well it's interesting because um mm-hmm. right now um you know there's a housing shortage so uh you know that's kind of a different scenario from 2000 2006 to 2008. And however, um, you know, uh, there's going to be a day of reckoning because, you know, if disposable income is not there, it's just not, it doesn't matter, you know, how, how low the interest rates are, you know, how, you know, how good the house looks, you know, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. And there's not, there's not as much of the creative financing with these arms and this other, you know, funny business where, where um you know, things would just adjust on people two years after they, they purchased uh, the property and took the mortgage out. <clears throat> so we have a few differences. However, um, however, um, with COVID uh, you know, there are companies from large corporations down to small businesses that are over leveraged and they're on borrowed time. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, once, um, the music stops, you know, it's uh, the musical chairs, right? Like where's everyone going to be? I think there's going to be a rash of, um, BK, uh, chapter 11 filings next year. I think you'll see large businesses to small, you know, restaurants, um, and a uh, certain retail are just, you know, they're just barely hanging on and, and they're going to get hammered and, and that's just going to, you know, be one of the dominoes that fall. And, mm-hmm. uh, not to mention, you know, you know, having an election coming up where, you know, half the country is going to be ticked off after, you know, after it occurs and there's just an, a number of factors, but the only thing that you can do is look at what you can control. And like you alluded to, I mean, Building streams of income is something everyone can do. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone kind of everyone knows some skill set or has some special quality that they can go and hone into an additional stream of income in in, in some way. And I just think like the ones that the people that, that focus on education, the people that focus on taking action are are going to benefit from it.
0: I agree, and you know that's the premise of our podcast, Richard Geek, is is we bring people like you uh, and and other people that have done these types of things. And we just talk to them and say, look, you have to diversify you. You can't just say, well, I'll be okay. You know, it's, it's, it's just, uh, uh, you know, I can't stress it enough. Um, So Martin, you know, it's been a pleasure. So tell me, how can people find you?
1: Sure. Um, if they like to learn more information on purchasing distressed mortgage notes, they can go to noteinvestingmadeeasier.com. If they like to learn about passive investment opportunity, they can go to bqfunds.com. That's dot scom
0: Okay. And everybody, I will have in our show notes when this goes live I will have all of his information and uh, links to the books and all that good stuff available to you so that you can learn about note investing. Uh, Martin it has been absolutely wonderful you've enlightened me and now it's like okay do I need to diversify into notes now and (laughs) so we will We will, uh, we'll see. But uh, thank you so much. uh, Come on
1: in, Mike. We'll, we'll, we'll love to have you. (laughs) We'll treat you like family. (laughs) Sounds great.
0: All right. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to the Richer Geek podcast, where we're helping others find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. For today's show notes, including all the links and resources from our show. and more information about our guests, visit us at www.therichergeek.com slash podcast. And don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Share with others who could benefit from listening and leave a rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes. I appreciate you and thanks for listening.